twice, twice, we were told when we were discussing the, the future of Avenue South, twice we were told by leaders in that area that, quote, you will never be able to find property to do what you want to do. Twice. Twice. God has showed us property right in front of everybody. <laughs> uh, first was the, uh, uh, the, Rose, the ACUF Rose Building on 8th Avenue where, uh, uh, where South got their start. And now a church in the community that is moving out uh, to the suburbs and now they have decided that they would love to sell their property, yes, at a significant discount so that a church that proclaimed the gospel could stay in the neighborhood. That happened twice. We are excited uh, because we always want our campuses as we spread out. Remember, the, the, the vision is that they will become forward operating bases. And uh, as they encounter their communities and as people from the other side of their community try to be part of their church, then we will continue to break off part of our church and start new campuses. So uh, we started the Station Hill campus People from Columbia who would never come to Brentwood, it's too far, too whatever, are now uh, coming to the Station Hill campus. So much so that we in the next year will celebrate the beginning of a campus in Columbia. The fastest growing church, uh, uh, county in Tennessee is Murray County. Uh, and, and this growth that uh, we're talking about in Middle Tennessee affects Middle Tennessee all the way down to places like Lawrenceburg because people who pay much more than we do for our houses in other parts of the country selling their houses and coming and buying five and ten acre, twenty acre mini farms and an hour commute for them still saves time in their day from what they're used to. So we're being affected all up and down the I-65 corner. So we're looking forward to celebrating a new church in Columbia. We're looking uh, for our Nolansville campus to be planning a church in the Smyrna area, and on and on it goes. Um, we are excited about what's happening in our sanctuary and how it will continue to enhance and support our own ministry and, um, uh, and outreach to the community. So there is a lot uh, going on. And we're, we're excited about it. So if you haven't been part of the Pursue campaign, it is still going on. And, uh, and you can give through our traditional ways. Just let us know it's for the Pursue campaign. If you have, uh, we are grateful for that. We thank you uh, and uh, ask that you can continue to do that because God continues to open up all kind of doors uh, ahead of us. After all, the reward for good work, more work. That's it. So... Aren't you, aren't you glad to be a church that God trusts with hard things like that? Um, Nashville is known for being a, a city where dreams come true. Uh, you know the story. Somebody starts playing a guitar in their hometown. Somebody starts playing the piano and somebody says, hey, you're good. You need to move to Nashville. And they do. And then they start this multi-year process of becoming an overnight success. And Nashville. One of the things that people don't understand is how long it takes to become an overnight success. And you'll meet these new artists. There'll be guides at, um, at the Country Music Hall of Fame. 
Uh, they'll be your server at a restaurant. Uh, they'll be uh, one of your kids' teachers. And on the weekends or every night, they will play and sing everywhere there's a microphone with the hopes that somebody will see them, somebody will hear them. And voila, overnight the magic happens and they become a star. But for every one story where somebody's dreams come true, there are hundreds, maybe thousands, where dreams don't come true. Yeah, somebody hears them in their little hometown, says you moved to Nashville, and they do. But for whatever reason, nobody hears them. Or they do get their shot. only to realize they're just not good enough. There are a lot of dreams that come true. There are a lot of hearts that are broken. In the Bible, there are lots of broken hearts. And here's the interesting thing that happens. Anytime there's a great movement of God, it begins when the people of God have their hearts broken. Any great movement of God begins with the broken hearts of God's people. One of those stories is found in the book of Nehemiah. Stand with me in honor of God's word. Nehemiah is serving the king as the cupbearer in Babylon. His brother comes and talks to him after his brother has visited Jerusalem. Nehemiah asks his brother how Jerusalem is doing. The report breaks Nehemiah's heart. Here's Nehemiah's response. When I heard these words, I sat down and I wept. I mourned for a number of days, fasting and praying before the God of the heavens. And I said, Lord... God of the heavens, the great and awe-inspiring God who keeps his gracious covenant with those who love him and keep his commands. Let your eyes be open and your ears be attentive to hear your servant's prayer that I now pray to you day and night for your servants, the Israelites. I confess the sins that we have committed against you. Both I and my father's family have sinned. We have acted corruptly toward you and have not kept the commands, the statutes, or the ordinances that you gave your servant Moses. Please remember what you commanded your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful, you said to him, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and carefully observe my commands, even though your exiles were banished to the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place where I chose to have my name dwell. They are your servants. They are your people. You redeemed them by your great power and your strong hand. Now please, Lord, let your ear be attended to the prayer of your servant and to those prayers of your servants who delight to revere your name. Give your servant success today and grant him compassion in the presence of this man. At that time, I was the king's cupbearer. Give your servant success today and grant him compassion in the presence of this man. At the time, I was the king's cupbearer. 
This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. Break our heart, Lord Jesus, for what breaks yours. That our broken hearts will be the place through which the rivers of life flow. We pray this in your name. Amen. The Babylonian exile almost destroyed the nation of Israel. They barely recovered. Babylon had an interesting way of dealing with those nations that it had overrun. It would destroy the city. It would destroy the nation, but it would take the best and the brightest. And it would take them to Babylon and train them to become bureaucrats in the Babylonian empire. They would then be dispersed throughout the empire to serve the bureaucracy of the empire. Uh, that's how Daniel and his friends got to Babylon. Well, not only did this leave the nation crushed, it left the nation without the leadership required to rebuild. Only those too weak, too confused, too disorganized, to ever mount a rebellion against Babylon were left. And Jerusalem was about to die. Nehemiah's brother had visited Jerusalem and had come to tell Nehemiah about his visit. The walls have been destroyed. The city's gone. The gates have been burned. And Nehemiah could barely stand to hear the news. He began to pray. He began to grieve. He prayed for days. He prayed so hard that food became unimportant and he began to fast. He fasted for days. And in his prayer, some things happened. One, he confessed, you sending us into exile was what we deserved. I've sinned. My parents have sinned. Everyone I know has sinned. Our nation is guilty. You did what you promised you would do to us. But you also promised if we came back to you that you would come back to us and you would restore us as a nation and you restore our cities. Now, Lord Jesus, I'm begging you, hear my prayer and keep the promises that you made to Moses. Give us another chance. Let the king hear me. Let me rebuild Jerusalem. Now, none of us know what it is like to live under a king. We would all confess to having living with or living under tyrants, but never a king. We don't know what it is like to stand in the presence of a king or a queen whose slightest gesture whose raise of an eyebrow could literally mean the difference between life and death for you and me. Nehemiah knew that if he said something that offended the king, that made the king uncomfortable, the king would just gesture to one of his guards. Nehemiah would be killed and there would be no trial. There would be no appeal. There would be no one to protect Nehemiah 
He lived and died at the whim of the king. Understand the risk that Nehemiah was taking. He was putting his life on the line. So he begs God to give him favor with the king. In the chapters that follow, it's the king who begins the conversation. Why are you so down? He asks Nehemiah. Nehemiah takes this as his opportunity and explains, I've heard about Jerusalem. Jerusalem has been destroyed. My people are in despair. I'd like to go rebuild the city. Not only does the king grant Nehemiah permission to do this, he gives him letters of protection. He gives the material he needs. And Nehemiah, for the rest of the book, rebuilds the city of Jerusalem. It's one of the best books on leadership that you'll ever read. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to do so today. It is a fabulous story about how Nehemiah comes back, encourages the people, organizes the people, and gets that city rebuilt. But Judaism was almost gone. Later in the chapter, when Ezra, a priest, begins to read the scriptures to the people who have gathered in Jerusalem, they have to have interpreters standing by who can interpret what Ezra is reading, the Hebrew, to people who didn't speak Hebrew. When the people in Babylon in the exile found out or understood that God wasn't going to save them in the next 30 days, they adapted. They made their lives in Babylon. In fact, when Nehemiah called for people to go back to Jerusalem, a lot of people did not go. They had made their lives in Babylon. They had raised their children there. Their grandchildren were there. So they didn't leave. Many of the children could not speak Hebrew. You could see the task that was before Nehemiah. And it all began when Nehemiah's heart was broken. The rebuilding of Jerusalem started in the broken-hearted prayers of Nehemiah. You get that? The rebuilding of Jerusalem started in the broken-hearted prayers of Nehemiah. Now, I know this is Vision Sunday. This is the Sunday when I traditionally come to you and say, hey, here's what's coming for the next year. Here's what you can expect in 2023. And we usually have some kind of, of catchy slogan that you can cross-stitch and, uh, cross and put on your refrigerator door. Uh, we've got some overwhelming new vision or mission that we're going to do, and here's what we're going to do, and here's how much it's going to cost, and I lay all this out for you. I, I don't have that this year. It's a different kind of vision sermon. Let, let me tell you where it came from. Um, first, it came from COVID. <laughs> or what we found out in COVID. Uh, COVID didn't break anything, but it sure told us some stuff that was broken. Uh, and, and, and I'll repeat to you that we were tested in COVID, we flunked. 
Um, what I saw from our church members in social media was some of the most vile, violent, unchristian stuff I have ever seen in my life. Uh, and and I'm, I'm to the point, listen, have you ever heard anybody who came to Jesus because of Twitter? <laughs> really, have you heard anybody say, hey, I, I was sitting at my desk and I saw this tweet, I gave my life to Jesus. You ever heard that? No. Let me tell you what else happened during COVID. You called us. As the quarantine drug dragged on and on, you called us. And here's what you called us about. When can we get together with our groups? You missed each other. Some of you started having your groups before we called for groups to go back together. And you started meeting in each other's front yard and driveways in lawn chairs, six feet apart. So you circled the lawn, or you circled the driveway in your lawn chairs, and you had your groups. You missed each other. The other thing, when can we worship? You missed worship. One of the things that we found out after COVID and through COVID was the damage we did to people because we couldn't gather together. Addictions went through the roof uh, because people who were dealing with addictions could not be with other people that helped them deal with their addiction. You told us this is what matters. Now, here's what's interesting. That's all you called about. That's it. When can we get together in our groups and when can we get together to worship? All the other stuff we do, you didn't mention. Not one time. When can we get together in our groups? When can we worship? Now hold that thought. In my sabbatical, which was last June, uh, the only thing I did was drive up and down I-65. I studied Middle Tennessee. I talked to pastors throughout that area. I spent a lot of time talking with mayors uh, of, of various cities. I found out the stresses. Uh, and you know what I found out? You know what the secret to church planning is? Sewer systems. I'm sitting with a group of planners, and they're telling me how Middle Tennessee is developing and how the areas people are moving in. And I say, we're told we, we need to start a church over here. And like owls in a tree, they all went. I said, why not? I said, everybody's telling us this is the next hot place. They said, Mike, there's no sewer there. You'll have houses, but they'll all be on septic tanks. You're not going to have schools. You're not going to have industry. You're not going to have anything that brings people to a community. There's no sewer. So now, you don't know how smart I am. <laughs> when people talk to me, we're going to, talk, we're going to start a plant over here, Mike. Well, where's the sewer in? <laughs> Who would have known? <laughs> Here's what else I found out. 
had a conversation with Mayor Ken Moore, Mayor Franklin. Do you know what he talked to me about? He didn't talk to me about infrastructure. He didn't talk to me about the school system. He talked to me about suicide. Did you know Williamson County has one of the highest suicide rates in Tennessee? Men between the ages of 45 and 55. Suicide. To the, to the point that the mayor has put together a plan and he wants to train everybody in Franklin, everybody he can talk to about how you spot somebody who may be suicidal, what questions you ask, what you have to find out. Suicide. Parents struggling with children and the issue of identity. And a culture that will destroy our children on the altar of political correctness. There are so many children in the foster care system. So few homes ready. That there are times when children will have to sleep on the floor of the local DCS office. Now you think about that. child sleeping on the floor. Does that break your heart? <clears throat> Having a broken heart hurts. And so most of the time we avoid it at all cost. We delegate it. We hand it off. We, we think some, some government program should handle that. Folks, um, the church has abdicated its role in the, in the issue of poverty and addiction and others and handed it over to the government. And we have sinned because of that. And lives have been destroyed because the government can't fix anybody. That's the role of the church. So here's what I'm praying, here's what I'm asking. I'm asking that you get in a group. I'm asking that when you get together in the group and that conversation that happens before you get to the Bible study about what you read, what you saw, what you know, 
somebody will say something about something in our society, something in our culture, something in our communities, and somebody will say it shouldn't be that way and it ought to break your heart. Now I want to ask you, what platform has God given you to address that issue? Did you see Nehemiah's last sentence? The last sentence. His heart is broken. He doesn't know what he's going to do. He's begging that God will give him an open. But the last sentence, I was the cupbearer to the king. Okay, Jerusalem's in a mess. Jerusalem needs, uh, needs help. I think I can do that. Why? Because I have the king's ear. The Lord has given me a platform from which to move. Where has God put you so that you will know what to do next? Pray. Pray until food doesn't become important. Let your heart be broken for what breaks the heart of Jesus. Find the platform where God has placed you and be ready to take the next step. I know. This is not the vision series you were expecting. And honestly, it's not what I thought I would be preaching. But I'm praying in 2023 that we will be a church who is known forge broken heart. Let's pray together. Don't you bow your heads. I'm not going to do anything to put you on the spot, but I do want, want you to listen. I don't ever want to assume I don't ever want to take this moment for granted. And if you're here And you haven't heard it from anybody else. Hear it from us. We love you. And it matters to us what happens to you. You find us at the Welcome Center. Talk to us. We want to know who you are. We want to know your journey. We want you to know you have friends that are walking with you on that journey. For some of you, it's a, it's a group. Go to, the well, go to the Welcome Center over there. Go out there, turn right. You'll see them say, I, I need to be in a group. Now, if you squirm like I do when I hear the word group, that's God's way of telling you to start one. So go to the Welcome Center and say, I think I'm being called to start a group. Let us help you with that process. Let us help you answer your questions about Jesus who he is, what he's done, what he can do in your life. Don't leave, I beg you, with questions unanswered. However, the Lord has come to you now. He's waiting for you where you are. The Lord will wait for you, that the church will wait for you as you come. Lord Jesus, every life is now open, every heart. So we pray the choices we make are exactly what you want. 